So this meeting uh, will be recorded for, for minutes so we can provide accurate minutes um, to everyone in attendance today and not in attendance as well as uh, uh, any government officials uh, and anybody, other, anybody else in public. All right. Um, thanks for thanks to everyone, everybody for uh, being being flexible. I, I'm really sorry we had to make the last minute change to Zoom only. Um, we do want to make our meetings accessible to everybody, um, but unfortunately, because of an unforeseen circumstance, we uh, weren't able to meet at Hot Java. Uh, this evening. Uh, just some housekeeping rules. I'll have everybody on mute uh, to start. Uh, if you wish to unmute yourself, raise a hand um, or uh, drop uh, your name in chat and uh, we can unmute you. Um, this first, we'll quickly go through typical neighborhood association uh, business and then we'll jump into uh, tonight's uh, community discussion. So welcome and thanks for attending. Uh, to kick things off, we'll go through the budget really quickly. Uh, our starting budget was $2,600. Uh, expenses included uh, this Zoom meeting here today. Um, and then uh, not Zoom, but uh, the National Night Out event uh, that we hosted uh, in September or August, um, September. Uh, the revenue from dues and fees were $200 and then uh, from our raffle at Neighborhood Night Out uh, was 195, so our ending budget is $1,600. Uh, tonight we are also taking uh, 2022 board nominations. Um, so if you would like to be uh, a member of the board next year, um, we need nominations by the end of today's meeting. Uh, you must be a dues-paying member. Membership is membership is pay what you can, and you can pay via check, cash, um, or on Cash App at uh, the dollar symbol uh, FPSENA um, on Cash App. Um, at this moment, we will uh, go around and ask if, there are any, if there's anybody interested in being nominated for a board position. Um, We'll go down the line of president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, member at large, starting with uh, president. If there's anybody who wishes to be nominated for uh, president of the board next year, can you please uh, drop your name in the chat or uh, raise your hand so we can account for you? Um, I will nominate my, myself to be president for the president position, um, so we have we have one. But if there are any others, uh, do do uh, drop your name in the chat right now. Um, if there's anybody interested in being the vice president of next year and running for that position, can you go ahead and drop your name in the chat or uh, raise your hand? Looks like we have one nomination, Michael Browning. Is there anybody else who would like to nominate themselves for vice president? 
moving down the line, uh, secretary, is there anybody who would like to nominate themselves for secretary? We have Aaron. Uh, anybody else uh, want to nominate themselves for secretary? Uh, next up, we have treasurer. Is there anybody interested in nominating themselves for treasurer? We have Rachel. Anybody else? And then finally, member at large. If there's anybody interested in running member at large, please nominate yourself right now. We have JC. Anybody else? Great. Uh, if you would like to nominate yourself, we do need those by the end of the night. Uh, you can shoot an email before the email before the uh, meeting ends, or you can drop your name in, in, into uh, chat, and we'll get you uh, on the list. Great. Moving on uh, to uh, the discussion for tonight. Um, before you start, um, if you guys would drop in chat how you how you heard about this meeting, flyer, email, or Facebook next door or a neighbor, that's really helpful to us and and getting notifications out um, so we can spread the word of, of future meetings. Um, do appreciate any feedback you'd like to, to offer. Um, cool. Uh, as you do that, we're gonna go around and do some quick introductions. I will uh, talk about the board just a, a little bit and then uh, we'll go around to each, each board member tonight and just, uh, say a little bit about themselves, their position, and then we will ask uh, for Chris and Vic and Sid and any other uh, Lux Living uh, representatives to, to share just a quick word of, of who they are and, and their name and whatnot. So a little bit about the Neighborhood Association. Um, we're a neutral forum. Uh, like we are here tonight, we're here to discuss the issues and concerns here in the community. Um, we provide a place where information can be distributed. Um, all of our perspectives discussed, um, where community concerns are collected and then uh, sent to uh, elected officials and other organizations in the neighborhood. We're really here to serve as that mechanism um, for, for fostering and uh, creating a community. And um, we encourage everyone to provide, to play an active role in their neighborhood. Uh, a little bit about myself. My name is Dan. I'm the president of the Neighborhood Association. Uh, I've been on the board since 2019 in, in different roles. I was, I was secretary um, for a minute and uh, became president this year. Um, that's really all I have to say about myself. Uh, uh, Michael, uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself really quickly. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, my name is Michael. Uh, I am currently the treasurer uh, and I stepped in for Steve Chode. So after he had to move out of the neighborhood earlier this year uh, and this next year, I will be running for vice president. Uh, I live on the 4,500 block of Oakland, have lived in the neighborhood about 10 years and uh, just enjoy being part of it and uh, helping make it a better community. Cool. Thank you, sir. Um, Adam or Brian, if you're on, can you please introduce yourself? 
Hey, my name's Adam. I'm the uh, secretary for the Neighborhood Association this year. I'm not going to be running next year, though. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody who's interested in stepping onto the board. Um, I live over on Gibson, and uh, yeah, happy to answer any questions if they come up. Cool. Thank you. I don't see Brian on Zoom. I know he was standing at Hot Java, making sure that people who did show up there uh, knew that we were no longer meeting in person. Uh, Brian is the uh, vice president of the Neighborhood Association. He's lived in the neighborhood for a couple of years now. Um, and then Xavier, he is the member at large. He's also, I do not see him on, on tonight's meeting, but uh, he's lived in the neighborhood for a couple of years and he's uh, an active member as well. Uh, I'm gonna turn it over to, uh, I believe uh, the all the women of the 17th Ward, uh, Tina Sweetie Peel is here. So I'm gonna let her uh, introduce herself and then I will uh, let Lux Living make their introductions. Uh, Sweetie, if you would like to, Make a, a few words. Thank you, Dan. Uh, yes, I am the Alderwoman of the 17th Ward. I would like to acknowledge the Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association in organizing these meetings for community input. I look forward to the conversation that is going to evolve tonight. And uh, I would just like to give it back to Dan. Cool. Thank you. Uh, Chris, Vic, Sid, uh, if you guys would like to, to make introductions and any other uh, Lux Living representatives who might be on the on the call tonight. Hi, I'm Vic. You can see the rest of the team. Um, I'll just say their name. That's Sid over there. And that's Julie with property management, Yvette and property management, our architect, John, and our traffic engineer, Julie, is right there, um, and Chris Strizzle. And Mr. Trumpman, yes, me. Okay, all right, there you go. Cool, thank you very much. All right, uh, I'm gonna put everyone back on mute, and then I will run through uh, the uh, goals and format and objectives for tonight. So uh, our goal tonight is to review the feedback uh, from uh, the first meeting for Lux to provide their responses. Uh, there will be no vote uh, or poll tonight on the proposal. Again, we're a neutral forum and we're here to provide that feedback. Um, the format will go uh, category by category and share feedback from meeting number one. So we had shared feedback to Lux Living and um, it's also in our, our meeting minutes and our website. Um, and we'll ask that for each uh, piece of response that we received uh, at the meeting that they provide some, some, some clarity and their response to that feedback. We're going to hold questions until the end. Uh, so please drop your name in the chat if you'd like to ask a question. We'll have uh, a few members of the association, a few board members, uh, making sure that we, we get to your questions. Um, 
we will get to those questions at the end of, of, of the feedback. Um, and then we'll have a community discussion after, after Q&A. Uh, we hope to wrap the meeting by 8.10 or 8, 8 p.m. or 8, 8.10. Outcome, so all the information that uh, is discussed tonight will be passed along to uh, Sweetie. Any remaining questions or concerns that you may have, uh, there is a forum that you can submit those questions or concerns. They will go directly to Alderman uh, Peel herself. That link uh, I will copy and paste into the chat. It is a bit.ly link uh, and you'll need to type in uh, the caps uh, exactly as it's shown in the link to access it. Again, there'll be no poll or vote tonight uh, taken by the association at this meeting. Uh, expectations, like usual, please be respectful of all of our residents and our guests. Everyone will be on mute to start. Um, and again, please drop your name in the chat. If you'd like to ask a question, you'll be called on to speak. Any, any questions before we move on here? All right. Um, so how this will work again is that I will read the responses that we provided from that were given to, that were shared at the first meeting. I will read those off to uh, the Lux Living team and I will ask that they provide uh, their, their responses, their answers to, to the concerns and questions that um, everyone had. So this first, first bullet point here is uh, the traffic study. Um, this issue was very important to many people at the meeting. Neighbors requested a traffic study to understand how the additional traffic from the building will affect the surrounding streets. Chris provide, uh, stated that the traffic study had already been conducted and it sounds like we have uh, the traffic engineers here tonight. Um, could you please talk more about the traffic study and explain um, how traffic from the building will affect the surrounding residential streets. I just, can you, can you hear me, Dan? Yes. Okay, this is Vic. Oh. And um, I can try to offer a couple comments and then I'd like to have Julie, who's the traffic engineer also comment. Um, okay. We looked at a few different options in terms of how to enter the building. The option that we presented and our plans was to enter the building from the alley. We decided that for a couple of different reasons, but one was because it's it's what the it's what the zoning there requires is to enter from the alley. Um, but we also looked at a couple other options. One is to enter directly from Kings Highway, and you could basically um, come in from a, a the light into the building. And so that would allow you to come in through the intersection at Oakland and Kings Highway. Um, and then we looked at a third option, um, which was to basically uh, come in through the right, uh, like a right into the Oakland entrance into the neighborhood, which is currently blocked off. So we would move that back, continue to have it blocked off, but move it back enough so that you could enter the garage. Uh, at our building, but then that would only allow you a right into the structure and then a right out of the structure back on the Kings Highway. So those are the three things we looked at. 
and Julie can talk a little bit about each of them. Those are kind of the three options we looked at. And for a variety of reasons, we picked the alley. Um, and, and so with that, there's a, there's a couple things. One, the alley served us best because we didn't need to change the zoning or ask for changes in the zoning. Two, it worked the best because it really didn't interfere with anything going on on Kings Highway. But second, we did go back and also do a study on Kings Highway and we worked with BPS and we worked with Streets Department to see what's possible there. And it turns out whether we come in on the alley or whether we come in directly off of Kings Highway, both are totally viable options from a traffic perspective. So because of that, we just picked the alley because it's less variance and less change in the zoning. So that's kind of where it's at. And maybe Julie could give you a better, more detailed explanation of, of those considerations. Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Nopo with Black Miller Group. And as they alluded to, we were asked to look at three different access. Oops, sorry about that. There you go. Sorry about that. Somebody there we go. Uh, so scenario A, which is coming in and out via the existing alley, essentially what we did with looking at that is we're talking about 150 apartments and the world I deal in deals with peak hours. So we looked at the AM and the PM peak hour. The proposed development would generate about 51 trips in the morning peak hour and 65 trips in the afternoon peak hour. And obviously, if they come in through the alley, the, the road that's going to be most impacted is Taylor Avenue. Um, they're going to use either ARCO, um, depending on whether they're going into the site, or Gibson if they're exiting the site, as well as they can use Oakland Avenue for both directions. But they'll all be migrating towards Taylor Avenue, to which point then they will either go south towards Manchester Road, or they can work up north into the BJC campus or work their way over to the Tower Grove Oil um, interchange. That's just to the east. Essentially, there's enough capacity in the neighborhood streets to accept this level of trip, trip generation that would be added to it, but there are, are a few concerns in the sense that there are some backups on Taylor Avenue, particularly in the PM, um, and as they go to Manchester Road. Um, and then obviously Manchester Road, particularly westbound in the PM is considerably congested. So we would be adding some, some traffic to those, to those critical movements. Um, but if they use the alley, which is scenario A, their traffic would essentially be integrated into the neighborhood and use, again, predominantly Oakland, Arco, Gibson, and then Taylor Avenue to circulate. Scenario B that we looked at assumed that they would not be using the alley and we would completely segregate development's traffic from the neighborhood and their sole means of access would be via Kings Highway. And we would add essentially an east leg to the intersection, signalized intersection that would provide access into directly into the garage. Um, there would have to be some other improvements done at Kings Highway that all can be accommodated with the existing width um, and some restriping and repainting out there to provide a southbound left turn lane as well as to accommodate a through movement into the development. Essentially, we also looked at the progression along Kings Highway, and this could be accommodated without jeopardizing any of the progression of the traffic through there. Um, and overall, the intersection would operate very similarly to the way it did today. It's just that we would add the East Lake to it. 
So it also is a viable access alternative. The third means that we were asked to look at, scenario C, considered that we would open up Oakland Avenue just far enough to allow them to get access to the site. And whether it was just for right in, right out, or for all movements, essentially this scenario was found to be infeasible. Um, there's a reason that it basically was closed off in 2008, 2009, um, that any introduction of traffic there so close to the signalized intersection with Oakland just proves to be an unsafe situation. You can't incorporate it into the signal operations in its existing location. They tried that for a number of years and it was very problematic. Um, and to leave it unsignalized and so close to the intersection creates other concerns as well. Um, let alone anybody who would be trying to get to the site, say from the north, they would have to go down to Manchester Road and make a U-turn and there's already congestion there. So essentially we took all three of these scenarios and we went to DPS City Streets Department and vetted them with them. And they too concluded that that scenario of using Oakland Avenue to provide access was infeasible. Um, but from the City Streets Department, they were comfortable with either option A, the existing alley, or option B, which is to provide access to the King's Highway. So there's really two viable means of providing access to the site. I think that about sums it up from our perspective. Thank you. Can I ask a question or are you asking everybody to put the questions in chat? Yes, uh, if you could please put the questions in chat, that would be great. And then we can get to them uh, after we review this feedback. Does that work? Sure, if that's what you'd like. Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I think the next question here, I think uh, bullet point two was, was uh, options for traffic relieving, relieving measures. Um, one concern uh, that we heard uh, quite a bit was uh, parking beyond the provided parking spaces. Uh, will overflow onto neighborhood streets where there's already a shortage of parking due to lo local parking needs, um, as well as the surrounding businesses like the WashU BJC Medical Campus. While the form-based code allows a maximum of one parking spot per unit, um, are there any uh, alternatives uh, to parking like um, public incentivizing tenants to use public transit? Um, that you can can offer. Hi, Dan. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, this is Vic again. Um, so yeah, we we do have one to one parking. Um, we do believe that in most of the buildings that we build in the Central West End that you know, one-to-one -one or slightly above one-to-one -one is kind of what we usually need and use. Um, every tenant um, who lives in the building basically um, gets a unit and a parking spot and, um, you know, some of the amenity fees and, and they're all included in one rate. So we give them one rate and they basically get the parking spot with the unit. Um, some people might not want the parking spot. So, you know, legally we can't charge them for that, but, you know, but majority of folks will get a parking spot with each unit. And, um, if they want a second parking spot, it costs them a lot. 
And so most people just have one parking spot with each unit. And, um, you know, that usually works well for us. Some of our residents are not going to need parking. You know, they're going to use public transportation. But I would say that's probably like 10, 15 percent. It's not a big number. So the majority of them will take one parking spot. Um, this particular building has mostly one beds and studios, very few two beds. Um, and so we just, we just think it's one-to-one works. Um, and it's worked well for us in, in a lot of the buildings that we're doing in the central West end. So that's kind of our experience. Um, we're open to public transport and, um, supporting that, um, there'll be, um, some opportunity, um, you know, for that, because there's a bus stop nearby and things like that. And, um, and if, and if we can continue that, you know, that, and we'll, we'll be able to support that as well. So, um, is there any follow-up there? I'm happy to answer more, but that's generally what we do with the parking. Uh, I, I think the follow-up, uh, based on some of the questions coming in from chat. And I think, uh, one of the questions coming in or one of the concerns that were provided earlier is um, one here in the chat is where will visitors be parking? And then uh, I believe uh, there was a question um, from the last meeting on public transit regarding uh, the, the bus stop. And um, I would yeah, can you still... I think we can talk about the bus yeah. stop. Um, Julie has looked at that and she can comment on the bus stop. Most likely, most likely the bus stop um, will be moved. And maybe Julie, could you give them an idea of where it would be moved to that makes most sense? Yeah. Sure. We have really two options. We need to relocate the bus stop on Kings Highway. We could slide it slightly to the north um, and kind of find that sweet spot just north of the development, but before really it starts to widen out to go on to eastbound 64. Or perhaps we just move it to the south side of the Oakland signal. Um, and it might even go south of the east leg, but essentially we could negotiate that with Metro, but we can find a spot within 100 to 150 feet of where it is currently today. Um, reading, reading through some of the comments in the chat, uh, it might be best to, to stay on topic and, and cover some of these off. Um, we talked about public transit transit. Are you, how, how do you plan on incentivizing using public transit? Obviously you can suggest it, but are there any incentives for your tenants to use it? They don't need a Let me try that. Um, like I like I said, um, you know, there's some challenges with uh, removing the parking. So what we what we like to do is every unit comes with a parking spot. The second parking spot will cost a lot more money. Um, so you know, really every unit will come with one parking spot. It's just kind of the model that we have. Um, so you don't get a deep discount to remove parking 
when you do that, sometimes, you know, people will just park off uh, out of, outside of the garage and, and cause other problems in the neighborhood. So for us, the model works really well to just include one parking spot with every unit. Um, we are, we do incentivize it in some sense because, you know, a lot of folks would need maybe an additional parking spot or something like that. And we do charge a considerable amount for that second parking spot. It could, you know, be upwards of a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, and so, um, you know, we will stick to, you know, every unit gets one spot. The second, second parking spot is very costly. And so that's the general way that we incentivize just the right number to park in the garage. Um, and then other folks will need to, um, you know, potentially use public transport or potentially uh, park outside of the garage. And there's some areas around that we would support them with, but generally we find that one-to-one -one we, can, we can get that to work. In most of our other structures and buildings, um, you know, the garage is pretty full, but there'll usually be two or three spots available that people can sign up for. So that's kind of generally the number that we are looking at. Uh, some of the feedback that we got from that first meeting included uh, during construction, uh, residents requested that construction workers park elsewhere and be shuttled to the site due to the lack of parking availability availability on Arco and Oakland. Can you can you address those concerns on how uh, you might alleviate that problem? Yeah, um, I can talk a little bit about that. We will start construction with demolition of, you know, the buildings. And then we need to basically excavate and shore and do all of our soil improvement. So that just means that we're digging underground. Um, during that phase, you'll have two or three subcontractors who are basically doing most of the work. Um, and then the garage will go up. The garage is constructed offsite. The garage will come to the site in, on, on trucks and it will be precast sections of garage that will come on site and then will be erected kind of like Legos um, and building blocks to construct the garage, which goes two decks underground and then a large podium above ground, which is approximately 20 feet, uh, 22 feet above ground. So you've got a lot of concrete and garage that needs to go into place and that'll be erected using a crane. Um, and during that time period, very few contractors will actually be on site. It'll be two or three subs. They'll actually park their vehicles on our site and um, they would basically be doing most of the work at the site at that time. Once the garage comes up, we will have contractors park within the garage um, they would access it straight off of Kings Highway um, and they would park inside of the garage and they would do all of their work um, while the, car, the trucks are and, and cars are inside of the garage. And that'll continue until we get occupancy. So that's basically the plan. It works really well. And um, the garage houses all of the cars and all of the construction workers. It also houses a lot of the materials um, and everything until... Um, we are ready to occupy the building. I'm going to move on to uh, design and aesthetic. Uh, we can 
uh, circle back on questions regarding parking after, but since there's a lot of uh, topics we need to cover, I think it, we're gonna move on really quickly. Um, on, on construction, uh, can you elaborate on the construction hours? I'll, I'd let Sid elaborate on the construction hours. So Sid runs the construction teams and I don't want to put you on the spot, but can I? Can you do the uh, construction hours? Are you, are you guys able to hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, the traditional hours in the city of St. Louis for construction uh, are 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, it's, it's fairly challenging to start, uh, especially with, with the, the trades that, that are just used to doing construction in St. Louis, your framing contractors, your roofing contractors, it gets pretty, pretty warm most of the time, um, you know, when those guys are active. And so they're, they're not able to start much later than that to get a productive day. And so we try to stagger the teams. Um, between the exterior teams that are working on the exterior, the, the exterior and the facade of the building, and the interior teams that are working within the structure, um, but that's pretty standard hours that we're seeing. The good news is that because we panelize offsite for both the garage and the wood frame structure, um, the time that we are on the exterior of the building is very minimal. Um, at the last building with the tower crane and two, you know. The first tower erection wood frame structure, we were 55 days. So we are able to get under roof fairly quickly, which is usually the biggest concern for most neighbors is getting within the structure. Uh, the next bullet point here is uh, regarding repairing roads. Uh, there was additional concern that uh, neighbors had asked if streets and alleys surrounding the development can be repaved after construction is over uh, to repair the damage done by utility work and heavy construction equipment. Uh, do you guys plan on repairing uh, damaged roads? So yeah, we'd, we'd repair anything that's damaged. Just at the end of the job, whatever's damaged, we have a, a responsibility to do that at any site, but we would do that here as well. Uh, moving down to uh, design, I believe. Oh, where'd it go? All right, we'll go on to, to, to maintenance. Um, this full, first bullet point here is the, the properties uh, on Oakland and Arco. Um, tenants at on Arco and Oakland have been unable to reach you regarding property maintenance. Uh, they spoke with Judy during the meeting. Um, we're hoping uh, whatever issues, uh, residents were hoping that whatever issues uh, that they were having can be uh, addressed. Uh, are there any updates regarding, regarding those tenants or those properties and uh, the upkeep of, of, of those buildings? Yeah. Um, I can say a few words about them. We had bought um, a variety of units from <clears throat> Drury 
you know, some of them are on King's Highway, and some of them are on Arco, and some of them on Oakland. And some of that was vacant land, and some of it was condemned buildings. And then a couple of them were units that had month-to-month residents in them. And so those month-to-month residents, you know, have allowed been allowed to just stay there and continue their month-to-month tenancy. And um, some have some have left, some have moved on. I think there's four tenants that we're talking about really at this point that are in the buildings. Um, and so they'll continue to be there. I do have Julie and Yvette here who could comment on the specifics of, you know, the, what's going on with the tenants, but yeah, they can work with them and they can get issues resolved. Um, so I'll turn it over to Yvette in a second to talk about that. But the one other comment I would make is that, you know, our interest is in really the King's Highway site. Um, we're really building on the King's Highway buildings. All of those buildings are condemned. Um, they have severe damage, you know, ever since I was a kid, probably five years old, I've driven by those buildings and they've been in horrible shape. And so, um, that's our focus. You know, we want to get rid of those buildings, which are kind of an eyesore into the, this premier neighborhood in our city. And we want to put something in place there that, you know, everybody can be proud of. Um, the neighborhood behind it, you know, is zoned differently, um, it needs to be treated differently. And so what we did do is we found a local owner within the Grove already, and they have purchased those buildings from us. So we're not the technical owner of those buildings on Arco and Oakland anymore. Um, and we can share more details with you and contact information of that owner as a next step. But we don't own those buildings on Arco and Oakland. Uh, they're owned by a local uh, developer who lives in your neighborhood as a member of your uh, team. You probably know him at some level, but they, they're the new owner of all of those buildings on the Arco and on the Oakland side. And that covers about nine parcels, I believe. Um, so I'll stop there. And Yvette, you could, do you want to jump on? You could just use my phone. And yeah. I am Yvette. Um, what I've gathered so far is that there are a total of five units that are still occupied at the present moment. However, those five units that are occupied, um, a lot of them are planning on to vacate fairly soon. I have one particular resident that is moving out at the end of October. I have another resident that is planning on moving out on November 17th. And there's another resident who is also looking for some place as we speak to try to relocate to. Um, it only leaves me with one person who hasn't really given me a response on what their game plan is. But other than that, four of them are already planning on vacating really soon. Okay. Uh, there was additional concern from neighbors about Lux Living's past issues with property maintenance. Um, and whether there are plans on selling the new building in the imminent future. Um, are there any specific changes that have been made to improve uh, maintenance at, at 
other Lux Living owned properties? Um, I mean, we own multiple properties in St. Louis. Lux Living primarily manages and runs new properties. So no, I don't think there's maintenance issues at these new properties. They're luxury properties that, you know, we're competitive in the luxury market and we've got really good um, staff and maintenance folks that manage those. Um, so if there's some specifics, I can address them, but I'll, I'll have any of you, you know, you're more than welcome to come tour um, the new properties. There's a property on Persian called Chelsea. There's another one called Hudson. Feel free to set up something with us. We'll reach out to you. You can have anybody tour them and you can see the types of properties we're talking about. These are high-end boutique properties that are, you know, very well managed and um, they have great occupancy. I'd say they're both hundred percent occupied really. And they've got a waiting list. So we don't think that's really an issue. Um, and we don't think that should be an issue here, but we're constantly striving to improve them. So we're open to feedback there. The other question you asked about is if there's any plans to sell the properties. Uh, yes. How long do you expect to own the new apartments? Uh, there's a track record of selling newly developed properties. Um, I think the neighborhood would like to know what your assurances will be, uh, if they'll be up, upheld by, 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 by new owners. So if you do sell or you stay, can, can we be assured of, you know, upkeep and, and, and good, uh, uh, new owners? I think so. I mean, first of all, our intent is not to build these in these premier locations. It takes a lot of time and effort. And, um, you know, I grew up in St. Louis. I don't live here anymore, but I grew up in St. Louis and I'm very familiar with these neighborhoods. My mom worked at Wash U when I was five or six. So, you know, I'm very familiar with the neighborhoods that you're talking about in the sense that I grew up around them. Um, so yeah, and we're committed to St. Louis. We've been here a long time and we're going to be here a long time. And we've built a lot of properties here. We own 2,500 units of various forms and different ownership groups, some through Lux and other through other investors and ownership groups. So, you know, if we sell some properties here and there, it's kind of part of business, you know, you buy some and you sell some, but generally speaking, we're buyers of real estate in St. Louis. We've we continue to be very bullish on the market. So if anybody were to buy the building, they would pay a lot of money for it. So you would, you would think they should take care of it. You know, they would take care of it and they would be responsible um, constituents in the neighborhood, but there's no eminent plan to, to build this and to, to sell it or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, Dan, I couldn't tell you, like, I couldn't make you a promise that we would never sell it or anything like that. We, we just want to be transparent. Our, our goal, though, is to have a critical um, mass of units, and 150 units is not a lot of units, so it's not like that's our goal. Um, so, yeah, we'd like, to, we'd like to make this a vibrant part of the community, and we think the, um, the type of folks that we would bring into the community would be good participants and, and want to you know, contribute to the community and, and uh, and that's, that's what our hope is. 
One of the things that we are suggesting also in the front of the building is a bistro cafe, if you will. So that'll be something that'll activate that area and anybody in the neighborhood can be a part of that. Um, and so we think that, you know, for a variety of reasons, this will add value uh, to, a, a, to an area which is, you know, a strong market, but has just been blighted, you know, uh, for many years. I think when, when, when neighbors talk about um, the maintenance of the buildings, I think their concerns come from the maintenance and the stories that have come out about uh, Aspirant and um, Citywide. Can you explain the differences and why they shouldn't, should or should not be worried that those problems might also be affecting or within uh, the Alux living development? Well, you know, at the end of the day, the first reason, because we are in a competitive market and a competitive market means that there's numerous properties that tenants that are paying, you know, um, rent can go to. You can, they can go to another competing property down the street. And there's numerous of properties that are being built all over the central West End. And these are people that have means to go to any number of properties. And so we have to be competitive and we have to make sure that all of those issues are taken care of. Um, but the property that we're talking about here that's, that's being built here is, you know, a market rate property. It's a um, brand new building. And, um, you know, I don't expect there to be, you know, severe maintenance issues of any sort. Um, but that would be in comparison to some buildings which are like 100 years old and are being renovated. Um, and maybe they, they would have more issues. So, you know, I just think they're apples and oranges. So um, there's just different parts of the business. So this, this particular part of the business is just it's brand new buildings. They will also have issues. Um, every product can have maintenance issues and we have maintenance staff that, that will address them. But this is a brand new offering. And so um, it has a rich set of amenities. It's gonna have uh, very nice amenitized units as well. And um, I don't think the, the concern would be any time in the near term, any uh, maintenance issues there. Uh, really, really quickly going back to, uh, you, you mentioned the, the bistro. How, how does uh, having a bistro um, in the apartment, as well as the other added traffic from deliveries and stuff affect affect the traffic study? Is that, is that included in, in the traffic study, those numbers? You know, the cafe that we have is really an amenity for the apartment. Um, it's not a commercial lease. We don't have a commercial tenant in the building. This is really the way you would think about, you know, in a hotel, you have a cafe, uh, people who live in the hotel use it. Um, would it mean that somebody from Arco or in Oakland could stop in and walk over and as they're walking their dog and get a coffee in the morning. Yeah, they could do that as well. Um, but the primary purpose is really, it's a resident amenity. It's not a third party lease. We don't, we don't charge uh, for a commercial occupancy permit. Um, so it's really just um, for the people who live in the building, but it is an area where 
others can take advantage of it who live in the neighborhood who can walk to it and, and leverage the um, you know the the cafe there so that that's the the goal it wouldn't be so that you know it's not like a Starbucks with a drive through um, and that's not the that's not the goal of the amenity um other questions coming in. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to design and aesthetic really quick, uh, and I'll circle back to some of these questions that that people are having about entry into the bistro and so on. Um, on 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 design, uh, some neighbors asked if the building could fit uh, in with the surrounding neighborhood aesthetic. Chris indicated that a different color paneling might be a possibility, um, and another resident uh, suggested that. Uh, what was written into the form-based code states that the purpose of the building development standards is to ensure high quality construction that will be cohesive with the historic context of the neighborhood. Um, he added that notable buildings on Kings Highway include two churches and a temple, most having that, that red brick. Um, so we'd be interested to hear from the architect um, under, the, under the design choice and the ability to make the building fit within the historical character of, of the surrounding buildings. Um, the architect is here. This is Vic speaking. Yes. The architect is here and I'd like to have him just share it with you. He also had boards because he was coming to the meeting at Java and he had those boards to put up on the wall to show you the renderings. So I don't know if you can give him access on your computer to show it. I, yeah. I might be able to allow you guys to share uh, your, your screen and you can point your camera towards it. That might be the best solution. Yeah, have. just let him, let him share whatever you can. And he might be able to show you how the building would look in red brick versus you know the uh, manganese brick that we had before. Uh, and I think, Okay. Well, yeah. What? Whatever. He's going to try to share it. Okay. Yep. Uh, is is he on a? What is his name? His his name is John. His name is John Odom. But John, are you going to share it, or is Mike Burkhart going to share it? John's going to share the screen. Okay. Just just give him a second, Dan. He's going to sure. run to his truck and get the board, okay? Okay, yeah. Uh, maybe we can jump on to, uh, maybe we can, as, as he's doing that, we can talk a little bit more about, about the bistro since those are questions that are coming in. Just thinking about specifics regarding the bistro, uh, somebody had commented, uh, for example, if, if uh, surrounding residents non-tenants are able to use the bistro as you know they're walking their dog or strolling by the neighborhood uh how how can they how can we make sure that they're able to enter the building will there be for example rfid entry um, or a keypad entry there will be a section of the building where you have the bistro and we'll just leave that the, during the hours that it's open, the, the attendant for the bistro, you know, who's operating it, there'll be a couple people there and they'll just open the door and have it, have it unlocked so that people could come in. And then when they are done, they'll just lock it up and leave. 
And even if you can enter the bistro, you can't really enter the building, you know, just the area that has the bistro. Uh, just let me know when, when the architect is back and we can jump back to that question. Yeah, um, sure. I'll let you know. He'll, he'll, just a couple minutes. He's, I can see him running to his truck. <laughs> okay. Uh, many residents express concern over the height of the building. Um, I know we've, we've kind of gone over this in the first meeting and, the, and uh, there was elaboration there over the form-based code. But I think for people who might not be familiar with the form-based code um, or are, are new to the, this meeting, um, can, can you elaborate on why the building is the height the way it is and not smaller, like three or four stories? Well, it's mostly just an economics issue for us in that we're not able to build um, a three or four building story building that makes sense from an economics perspective. Like we, we have to have a certain number of units to make our model work um, to be able to support staff in the building on an ongoing basis in order to operate the building. And so it's really just a function of that. And we're, we're slightly under 150 units, which is already a strain, uh, really like to be over that, but you know, it is kind of the situation that we're faced with there. So it's a smaller unit count already and the neighborhood zoning um, provides for us to build a building of that size. So it's really more of a use by right that we would like to, you know, comply with the zoning that's in place and build a building that allows for the, the economics to work. Um, I mean, there could be other types of buildings that should be built, but this particular building has two decks of garage parking underground. So you need a fair number of units to be able to handle that. And there's a significant contribution immediately. We're not requiring any incentives. So this immediately and impactful uh, has an impactful benefit to um, the taxing jurisdictions in the city of St. Louis that are benefiting from the taxes that this building will pay year one. Um, and so, yeah, it should be, it should be a sizable amount that we can afford to pay the taxes and afford to make money off the building as well. So those are kind of the considerations that go into effect. John is now here. If you want to talk to him about the building as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so John, uh, first, if you can make these, uh, other these the renderings that you're about to show with the different materials or the different coloring available to us I would I would love to to have that to share out with with the group at some point um but for now can you can you walk us through these uh other alternatives that that you have in your hand right now yeah thank you so so this is a first for here so <laughs> we we typically uh you would present with a digital pdf for you but uh, we, we anticipate on everybody being together tonight, so that's, we only had printed boards here. Uh, but so in summary, kind of from the last meeting that uh, you all saw the design aesthetic from the exterior to what has changed at this point, one of the comments, um, and I think multiple people commented on the, the brick color, kind of the brick placement on the building, uh, being a little more compatible with the surrounding area of, in terms of materials. So we... Uh, it may be difficult to see from the board that I'm holding up here, but again, we can we can share these images uh, with the group as well. Um, <clears throat> from a from a from a kind of a design aesthetic, the first floor will be 100% brick down here, and this is more of that red kind of traditional type brick. 
Um, we've also come in and we said we're going to do some more tower elements here. And you can see these pieces here. Uh, so adding some brick to those vertical pieces as well, um, bringing some more of that texture um, to the top. The, these pieces on the side here, the form-based code allows for um, basically a metal panel only. So there's no, there's no horizontal lap siding or anything of that nature on the building. It's all going to be a high quality material. So you've got a you've got a mixture of mainly metal on the exterior, and then uh, a brick facade um, on the on the top portions that we've added here, and then along the pedestrian side as well here. So from that side, we you know we we feel like we've greatly enhanced the the materials on the exterior by adding this amount of brick. Uh, thank you. So this would be, um, let me kind of zoom in here. This would be looking the, um, the opposite way on King's Highway. This would be looking uh, south on King's Highway back at the side of the building. Uh, so this would be kind of from the 40 side of it. Uh, so again, you can see the, the brick wrapping the perimeter of the bottom and then kind of the vertical tower pieces here that we're adding the brick elements to as well. And again, around the side. We may have a couple more. Hang on here. So this would be there we go. This is not the right. No, nope, this is not the right one here. Okay, we're gonna let's try that again. It's the um, other one. The other this one. This was the one you took that. I don't, that's, that's, that's the alternative design. There's a, there was one that we had, which was a standard design. Hang tight here with us. Sure. That was the Okay, we're we're back here. We're gonna we're gonna end up sending you the PDF so everybody can download those and take a look at them. Okay, what what seems to be the problem? Well, I'm not sure we have the right the right images here to send you at this point. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna go through the chat here really quick and make sure I didn't miss any uh, any any questions um, regarding design. Oh, I, 
Uh, I think we might jump to uh, this next slide about uh, the sun and, 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 and shade study. Mm -hmm. um, let me jump back in and share my screen really quickly. I'll move spotlight. Um, so jumping back back in, um, can can you elaborate on on the sunshade study that um, you guys provided? Yeah, so so as you know, the building is going to be a six-story building. Um, so as you see up in the upper hand left-hand corner, that's an 8 a.m. So the sun's obviously rising, rising in the east, and that's on June 21st on the, uh, the, the summer solstice there. So, you know, that's not really going to affect many of the neighbors as it's going to it's going to shade more Kings Highway, and then moving along to the to the right there, June 21st at 10 a.m. Um, again, you know, the, the sun is moving more to the south, so we're not we're not really affecting anything there again. Uh, at noon on June 21st, it's going to be pretty well straight down in the sky. It's going to be about 75 degrees in the sky. And then if you look at the, um, going back down to the left. So at 2 p.m., it's, it's crested around the most southern point there. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's pretty well downward sun at this point. And then uh, 4 p.m., it's going to start to be near west at that point. And again, that's the, that's the height of the summer. Uh, so it's going to be dang near due west at that point. And then June 21st at 6 p.m. Uh, will be when the most sun happens at that point. But keep in mind, that's the, that's the hottest point of the year at June 21st. Uh, so, you know, from a shading standpoint, um, you know, it's not going to be all that bad, really. But if you look at that, we're only coming in at about three houses at that point to the, to the west. And, and Dan, the, the important thing to note, I'm just standing next to him, is Sid speaking, is that those, the shade study only affects the properties that that um, were controlled by us previously, and we've we've obviously indicated that to the new owner as well. So he's he's well aware of that. So it doesn't really affect um, any additional neighbors in the neighborhood. Okay. Um, I I'm going back in the chat to look at questions. I think someone else had uh, a question about the sun shade study that I didn't want to miss. Um, I can't find it. Yeah, this is hard. Um, I'll get back to that question, but I think we're going to jump quickly here to other uh, miscellaneous uh, questions and concerns that were had from the from the first meeting. Um, well, here's a here's here's one on the the sunshade. So you provided one for June, but uh, a resident here says the shade will be more pronounced in in the winter. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, how it might be different on December 21st? Yeah, December 21st. So, it's, um, so that's going to be the shortest day of the year. And so that sun will be less high in the sky. So it only raises to about 40 degrees in the sky at that time of year as its height maximum at the southernmost point. So when it, if you look back at the June 21st at 8 a.m. there, when that sun is rising, uh, it'll be a much longer shadow, of course, at that same amount of time because the, the, the shadow, well, excuse me, it won't be as much longer, but it'll be more, the shadow will be more north than it is of the west right there. So that's, that's more due west because it's rising more due east in the summer. 
So again, that really won't affect anybody at that point because that'll be just casting a shadow over what would be King's Highway. And then if you go to June 21st at 10 a.m., again, the shadow is just a little bit, the angle is different. It's not necessarily the, um, the, the distance that it's gonna be at, it's the casting of the shadow that's gonna be different there. Compared to the June 21st at noon, however, the shadow will be longer because it is much lower in the sky uh, on at noon during the winter solstice. So then if you go down to the uh, lower left-hand corner. Oh, yep, sorry. All right. So at this location, two o'clock here, again, it'll be a shadow that's cast more dramatically to the Northeast at this point because the sun will be uh, lower in the sky at that time. And then the same pretty well goes for 4 p.m. And then at 6 p.m., it'll be totally dark at that point. So you won't even have a, have a shadow that casts over the, the neighboring properties just because the sun sets at about 4.53 on uh, June 21st, or excuse me, December 21st. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's it for the sunshade questions, but if I'm wrong, uh, please people in the chat speak up and we can, we can circle back to it. Uh, I'm going to jump over to some One more thing. That the, oh yeah. The, the, yeah. The solar sun, excuse me, sun study is more important to look at during the, during the, the summer months than it is in the winter months. The winter months are going to be insignificant because of how the sun moves during the winter. Uh, will, will the different casting of shadows affect ice melt at all? Um, you know, that's, that's a kind of a loaded question at that point. Um, you know, if you're talking about King's Highway, it's going to catch a lot of that sun in the, in the early morning. But there's, there's multiple questions and multiple answers on that. It depends on how many degrees the horizon is at that point, how many trees are in the way. So it's kind of a loaded question uh, that I would hate to kind of speculate upon. All right. Uh, any any other questions for uh, the architect before before we move on? Uh, if so, do drop them in the chat, and but we can always try to circle back to them while while we have time. We have about 20, 20 to twenty five minutes. Um, we can we can jump into miscellaneous. I think uh, there's a couple of questions that have popped up here about. Um, I think it, it might've been because of the rendering you showed, but uh, were there more units added to this uh, proposal? No, 144 units. Okay, and the design in the, in the uh, proposal or the, uh, the rendering is the same as what was presented last month, maybe outside yeah. of the- okay. Take the black and turn it to red, that's what, John was trying to show, and I think somebody might have said, oh, you know, he didn't step back the building in the back, and he made an error, and I told him to take that slide down, and that's what happened, so he didn't show you that slide, so no, okay. no harm, no foul. Yeah, I just wanted a clarification. Thank you. Um, I'm going to jump down to, to miscellaneous um, here really quickly. Um, this first bullet point here, I know we've talked a little bit about the bus stop um, and that it might, it, and, and I think it was proposed that it could be moved up north. 
Um, so can you just elaborate again that uh, if the bus stop is at that location, will it remain open during construction? Um, and if so, can, can it be improved as part of the construction process? The bus stop can certainly stay open during construction. I think that would be the intent. Um, if it couldn't stay open in its current location, we would again work with Metro to, to relocate it somewhere in very close proximity. So it would stay essentially on the east side of King's Highway, somewhere in close proximity to the crosswalks that are at um, the signalized intersection. Um, I think along that lines is the question about can a curb cut be added? Is that a possibility? So yes, I mean, that was the scenario B that I looked at, which is essentially that we would add a curb cut onto King's Highway opposite Oakland Avenue at the signalized intersection. And that concept has been um, evaluated and discussed with BPS and City Streets Department and they're amenable to, to that um, if, if that's the direction that you go in. But also it really there's two viable points of access. You could either use the alley and the neighborhood streets of Arco, Oakland, Gibson, and then onto Taylor, or you could have a curb cut onto King's Highway. Both are viable. Um, well, there's, I don't wanna get us off track too much, but there are a lot of questions regarding parking and traffic. There always are. Um, what can you, after this meeting, can you, can you share uh, uh, a more in-depth traffic study for, for those who have the concerns over parking and traffic? I am sure that they can share the access assessment that was completed, yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, bullet point three here um, asks about uh, security. Um, neighbors have asked if the building can provide additional security for the neighborhood, perhaps cameras around the building that link to the Grove camera networks. Um, and I believe if I remember correctly, there were some comments in the chat about um, additional uh, uh, security, perhaps in the garage or, or in the facility as well. Can you elaborate on, on how you plan to increase security um, in and around uh, your uh, proposal? Sure. Um, so we do a lot currently with uh, Park Central in many other neighborhoods in the NSI. Um, we've, we've always given uh, Jim White and his team access, Rob Betts and his team access to our cameras. And, and Rob and Jim can attest that our camera network has, has aided them in, in capturing and, and tracking multiple people that have, that have committed crimes in the past. So it's been very helpful and, and we're always... It's it's always been a good uh, good benefit for the neighborhood and always been a good benefit for for Park Central and the NSI in that regard. Cool. Um, concerns about Airbnb were raised uh, at that last meeting we had, meeting number one. Uh, Chris had explained that the deed prohibits Airbnb and short term rentals on the properties. Uh, we did. Uh, acquire the deed to, to review it. And I think one of the concerns um, that, that were had were around the enforcement mechanism. Uh, I believe in the deed, it says that Drury is the one to enforce uh, the no Airbnb 
fee or short-term rental policy. Um, obviously, they're they're somewhat of a competitor, and they would put that in their deed. But does that does that carry with with every owner of the property after that? Again, if you were to sell, and then B, um, how how can we make sure that uh, Drury is uh, can and properly enforce? Uh, the deed to that extent. So, so Drury, Drury, Drury has the right to enforce part of that agreement. I don't know if you, there's there in the deed restriction, um, there is an enforcement provision. Um, but beyond that, the deed, the deed restriction carries with the title of the property. So um, it, it would, it would, it would carry to any subsequent owners. I'm, I'm sorry, I might have missed it, but how, what's the enforcement mechanism that that I guess would be. I mean, required. I can I can give you a general answer. It's sure we're not we're not Drury, so we don't know how they would enforce it. But they have a legal yeah. right to enforce it. It's um, runs with the land, doesn't run with our ownership of the building. But they're a, they don't want to have any competing hotel interests at that location, so they don't want to see any hotel um, or Airbnb. You know, the deed was, deed's public information, so you could look at it, but basically deed restriction says any Airbnb or um, I think they use some other terms like VRBO. And so yeah. there's a variety of things that they, you know, they don't want and they're, you know, kind of against um, supporting in that location just for their own competitive reasons. And so, you know, I think they would have strong business interest in, in continuing that and, and, and ensuring that. Um, and it places your property, you know, there could be some severe, um, issues if you break those covenants. So, um, you know, I think that nobody would break those. It would be silly for anyone to break those for an Airbnb or something like that, because Drury could, you know, do, uh, various, take various, uh, legal actions in order to prevent that. Um, a follow-up on that would be how would how would you or Lux Living respond if residents started using their units for Airbnbs? They're not allowed to by the lease. The lease wouldn't allow them to use it as an Airbnb. So, you know, they could it would be in violation of the lease. Um on on the on the question of amenities you mentioned a bistro would there be any other amenities available to the residents of of the neighborhood um no nothing nothing in particular comes to mind all the other amenities are within the building used by the residents of the building um they're not accessible for anyone else you know outside of the building they're really for the residents of the building and they are built and sized for the building and for the residents. And they, you know, there's a variety of reasons, insurance and other reasons uh, um, that we cannot have, you know, just all sorts of people from the neighborhood in and out of the, in, uh, the amenities on an ongoing basis that could create, um, you know, issues. So they're really, in this particular case, just sized for the residents in the building. Uh, 
few other bullet points here, but there's also questions in the chat that I'll hope to get to. Um, more information was requested on possible rent prices. Can you um, share any rent prices or estimates that you have for these for these units? I can't get into the exact rent prices that we would have, but I know that they are going to be uh, market rate for the Central West End, similar to other new construction in the Central West End. Um, we would want to wait until we get further into the construction process when we release the, the, the units to kind of know what the market is seeing. But I would say we competitive to other new construction product that you have going on um, in the Central West End or you know nearby to the Central West End. And, and to that same degree, um, would it be possible to include affordable housing in these units at all? These, I mean, this unit, the way we're structured it right now is um, that the, we're not asking for any incentives. We'd like to make it a market rate building. Um, I mean, we're doing some projects in other cities that um, do consider some affordable housing, but they do include a variety of incentives. But I think the Central West Sends a unique part of our city where the market has now advanced to the point where, you know, you can build market rate housing and you don't need incentives all the time. And so we would suggest that it's a strong direction to move in and it sets a precedent for additional development in the neighborhood that could, um, you know, also be market rate and avoid incentive. And, um, but no, we, we don't have affordable housing, so to speak, in this building. Um, going back to construction, uh, should you uh, break ground? How, how long do you anticipate construction to last? Um, when we break ground, you know, from the time we break ground, you know, probably about 18 months, but the building, you know, starts to have a garage within six months, probably. And so, you know, once the garage goes up, then, you know, then, then, uh, the remainder is about a year. Um, to the question back on amenities, um, Somebody in the chat had asked how, how long will the rooftop amenities stay open? And, and to that degree, um, how, can, how can we um, make sure that uh, those amenities or those in your units um, aren't um, making too much, too, much, too much noise, I suppose? How loud will the rooftop be on there, there is no rooftop at this building there is no rooftop amenity at this building so some buildings do have rooftop amenities and uh, this particular building does not have a rooftop amenity is there sorry i if i'm if i'm misremembering but is there a pool uh as an amenity here yeah there's a pool that doesn't sit at the rooftop but it sits at the second floor or the podium so maybe 20 feet off the ground and the majority of that you know faces um 
the Arco and Oakland properties that we owned and we sold to a uh, local developer and they're in support of the development. Um, and they are aware of the issues that could come, ag come adjacent to their property behind us. Um, and we, we went to a variety of developers and we found the one that is open to that and can deal with that. Um, will there be some noise occasionally? There could be if people are using the pool. Will there be certain hours that are enforced by the property managers? Yes. And there will also be security that will come around and service those buildings. So uh, just like any other building that we have, there's security that operates at certain nighttime hours so that if there is noise, um, you know, it can be raised and it can be addressed. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, the majority of cases, it, it won't be an issue, but occasionally if there is an issue, then there will be some security that can address that in the evenings. And the neighbor just to the rear of us now on Oakland and and ARCO understands that and, and is aware of that and purchased the buildings with that in mind and is, is, is a good partner for us on the rear of the buildings to, to be able to deal with those issues. Um, we have about five or 10 minutes left. Uh, I think the plan is to answer a few more questions. So if you have any more questions, please drop them in the chat. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, we can plan to stay on for 15 or 20 minutes with uh, just just the community at hand uh, to hear more specifically from from residents on um, their concerns or thoughts their their and their questions. Uh, but the time being uh, for the next five or 10 minutes, uh, if there's any more questions, please drop them in the chat. Um, Reading through questions really quick. Um, are there amenity hours? Sorry if we missed that. Are there amenity hours to your, uh, the, the amenities available? There are, I don't know what they are. So I'm gonna turn it over to Julie. Julie could tell you what the hours are Monday through Friday and maybe on the weekends. So give her a second. She'll just come to the other computer and yeah, and answer your question. And while she's coming there, you can ask me a different question while you're waiting for her. If you want. Sure. Um, ooh, oh, there's a lot coming in. Uh, there's, I'll, I'll, I'll read a statement and I'll, 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 uh, Hopefully you'll, you, can, you can provide a response. Um, there are some who prefer direct access to the building from Kings Highway instead of the alley. Uh, traffic already gets backed up along Manchester from Taylor all the way to Kings Highway and along Taylor back a number of blocks. Additionally, there's a plenty of pedestrian traffic and children who play in the alleyways. Um, this particular resident, and I'm sure others feel the same way, would hate for the residents living along the alleyway to feel unsafe walking there with increased traffic. So um, to, to that point, um, I- Hi, this is Julie, I'm here now uh, answering questions about amenities. Uh, some of the, like things like the gym are open 24 hours, but 
anything that would reach the outside. We have hours like Monday, Monday through Thursday, it's 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And the weekends open to, it's 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. We shut everything down. Are you able to hear us, Dan? Yes, yes. Sure. And we do have security that goes and shuts those spaces down. Okay. Uh, back, back to the, uh, thank you. Thank you, Julie. Uh, back to the question about uh, traffic. I believe uh, most, some people in the chat have, have stated that they prefer uh, the ingress egress off of, off of Kings Highway. Um, and for safety reasons, not having uh, traffic come along. I can, I can answer that a little bit. Um, like I said, we early on hired a traffic consultant, and you spoke to Julie on this call, so you know her. Um, we hired the, her early on because we just felt that, you know, one way or the other, um, you know, there would be an opportunity to come in through Kings Highway or through the alley or potentially, you know, through that third option that we mentioned. So we kind of looked at all of the options and we wanted to evaluate, you know, what are the pros and cons of these options? Um, but, but as it turns out, for a variety of reasons, the alley was, was favored. Let me, let me doc, kind of articulate why. And we can also share with you like what is possible moving forward. So why is if you think about Kings Highway access versus the alley, the alley has more favorable options. One, it's within the zoning parameters. We don't have to ask for any variances. Two, it provides um, easy, secure access um, when we get on King's Highway, we potentially have some issues. For example, when folks are leaving the garage in the morning um, and there's a light there, you could have a backup in our garage. Um, it could create issues where you're not able to get out as quickly as you want in the morning. And so traffic backs up into our garage. Um, it also would require us to further um, reduce the footprint of the building in order to accommodate the traffic from the garage out of the out into Kings Highway. So for a variety of reasons, mostly tied to traffic, not on the street, but into our garage and how easy it is for people to leave the building. You know, let's say there's any issue within the garage and people need to get out. Um, so for all those reasons, we felt that the alley was the safest bet. And because the traffic um, modeling showed that you could support it easily on, on either King's Highway or on the back of the building on the alley. We favored that approach and it required no variances. If you went to the King's Highway side, um, there would need to be a, a series of variances that we would need to ask for, not only for traffic getting into the building, but for our building and how the setbacks would work on the building. So we just didn't go down that path um, because it would create a whole whole host of variances that are needed and just didn't think that that made sense. And so we're really looking at a building here that we're proposing that just doesn't require any variances and it sticks to the code that, you know, is, is suggested. So that's kind of why we ended up there, um, you know, and, and that's something that we can look at. 
but just, you know, we need to be aware that there's a, a series of variances that'll come with that, that change setbacks on, on the rear of the property. And then also, you know, have um, implications on traffic within the garage and how the garage traffic exits, like during peak hours, like in the morning or in the evening onto the street, onto Kings Highway. Uh, did the traffic study take in into consideration the added number of units that Green Street is building south of Manchester and the traffic that it will have on Manchester and Taylor? Ju Julie can comment, but I don't think she's looking at a variety of new development. I think she's looking at the traffic pattern that exists there today. <laughs> The traffic assessment does not take into consideration um, potential developments happening south of Manchester Avenue. No, it, they essentially looked at the, and compared the three axis scenarios and the ramifications associated with that. Okay. Um, just going back to the chat really quick. Uh, I know there's still a lot of questions to be answered and a lot of concerns that people have. Um, it is eight o'clock. Um, I will be respective of, of your time, uh, Vic, Sid, uh, and, and, and the rest of the group. If you would like to stay and continue to answer questions, we can continue for 10 or 15 more minutes. Um, otherwise, uh, we will uh, kind of uh, step aside and, and have a, a community-based meeting with just the residents and, and have uh, more of a, a discussion-based uh, conversation. Do you guys have a preference? If you guys would like to stay on for 10 or 15 more minutes? I can stay for Okay. Um, looking back through some of these uh, comments, uh, uh, Julie, can some of, can the traffic study incorporate the additional traffic generated by new developments? Is that a possibility to incorporate that? I mean, anything is possible, yes. Essentially at that point though, I mean, we would have to go find out if a, a traffic impact study was done for those developments that we can then use Otherwise, we then would have to create a traffic impact study for, for those. A, a good rule of thumb is that generally traffic impact studies are not required for anything that doesn't generate 100 trips in a peak hour. And again, this development would generate 51 in the morning and 65 in the afternoon. And I, and I offer this up as sort of a, a rule of thumb for you all in the sense that I serve as a city traffic engineer for a number of municipalities. So if a development doesn't generate 100 trips in a peak hour, we typically do not require a traffic impact study for it. So what was done here, again, was an access assessment that looked at various ways of accessing the site and listing out the advantages, disadvantages, and then based off of that, offered a conclusion as to whether or not it was viable. Um, but again, you know, anything can be studied, yes, but, you know, the place to be start was would did those developments have to do traffic impact studies for them? And if so, could we use that to fold into this? Uh, for those who uh, aren't traffic engineering experts like my like myself, um, 
Can you elaborate on how you estimate there only be 50 trips when there are, on, when there are 144 so odd units? Yeah, gladly. So we use a national standard that's uh, published by the Institute of Transportation Engineers that basically uses data and for various land uses. So with respect to this land use, we can go in there and, and I apologize, I don't have it in front of me, but usually for residential, they'll base it off of numerous studies. In other words, 30, 40, 50 other properties nationwide. And then they equate that back to a number of trips that are generated per unit. So we just simply take the number of units, we go to the national standard for an apartment based on, and there's different categories, mid-rise, low-rise, high-rise, and essentially we apply the appropriate one depending on how many floors are, provided, are proposed. And based off of that, it tells me how many it generates in that one hour that we're looking at. So we look at the morning hour and then the afternoon and the PM hour, because for residential type uses, those are the two most critical time periods. That doesn't say that's all the traffic it generates. It just says that's what's generating in those peak hours that we're looking at. So it's all based off of national standards. Um, I think two two more questions, uh, ending questions, uh, maybe maybe three. Uh, really quickly, is there any bike parking at, at this uh, apartment complex? Bike parking. Yeah, there'll be bike parking in the garage. Can you share how many uh, bike parking spots will be available? You usually do for a building of this size, anywhere between like 30 to 50 bike parking spots. Cool. Um, two more questions here, really quickly. Um, what are um, where do Mm -hmm. I don't know how to phrase this question. Um, let me get back to that one. Um, where to where to go? Um, one second. Where to go? Um, I, I guess more broadly speaking, um, I think we as a community have a lot of questions and concerns still. And again, we'll try to discuss here on this same Zoom call in a couple of minutes, but a question for um, you, Vic and, and, and Sid and, and all, like what, what do you anticipate your next, your next steps to be? Where do we kind of go from here? Um, then, then can you, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, um, I, I think I heard your question. You said you wanted to know what I thought were the next steps. Really? Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess the question is more of the ball is in your court to tell me what feedback you have, you know, coming out of the meeting and, um, you know, it, Tell us what are the, the key issues that, you know, the neighborhood thinks are important to talk further about and, um, you know, give us, give us some feedback on that. Um, so yeah, give you know, we're, we're, I'm sorry, somebody else is saying something here. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Give us your feedback on, on that. And I think we're here to, 
you know, make sure that we understand the issues and we can address them. Um, you know, we can't, can't necessarily, um, there's always some issues with construction. You know, we realize that because we do it in a lot of locations and we, we appreciate the feedback. So, you know, we're, we're going to want to work with you to address some of the operational issues of, you know, when it starts and where people park and we'll have a project manager that can attend your neighborhood meetings on a, on a monthly basis and get feedback and you can talk to them and address them so we can address issues on an ongoing basis. Uh, so all of that is something that we're signing up for. We understand that the traffic and parking details, we'll share the study. You can look at the details around that. Um, and I think that, I think that I'm also open to working with the neighborhood on, on that. You know, there could be an option where we, we look at Kings highway more seriously. Um, so, you know, I think the, the question is the format and the forum, which we do that um, we need to do that with, um, with folks in, from a zoning perspective. So some of the issues that we will deal with as a next step, if we were to look at that really have to do with zoning. So if the neighborhood makes a recommendation to the zoning folks that are, that are looking at this, that, you know, that's a direction to seriously consider, then, you know, I think we would look at that and, um, you know, we would, we would, uh, evaluate that, but we, um, you know, that's kind of the next step. We need to get into the zoning discussions and how do we, how do we get the building zoned and, um, get, get to that point. So that would be our next step. And we would try to take the recommendations that you give into that, you know, and you should provide that to them. So that would be um, my suggestion. Okay. Um, I'm going to let Alderman Peel have the mic for a second. She would like to, to share some of her thoughts on next steps. I think definitely as an association, again, our, our goal is to provide that feedback to um, all, all the parties necessary, and, and we'll do that. Um, but for, for now, I'm gonna turn it over to, to Sweet Tea really quickly for her um, um, to, to speak. Thanks, uh, Dan, and thank you everybody on this meeting and giving all this community feedback. It's been a lot of information to take in from this meeting and uh, the last meeting. Uh, the next steps would be, I will take in that information in terms of what you have uh, provided us and I'll uh, get back uh, with the developers regarding that and we will take it from there. Um, because uh, the neighborhood association, we're not gonna be taking any votes at this point in time. It's uh, co correlating all of this uh, information and we'd love to have more people uh, go to the link that Dan provided and provide more uh, concerns, issues, pros and cons regarding this development. Thank you. Uh, dropping the link in the chat again. Um, so I think what we'll do at this time is we'll, we'll break off into uh, a separate community-based discussion. Uh, I do wanna thank uh, everyone's time here, um, Vic, Sid, Julie, John, Chris, and everyone else who, who from Lux Living who, who came to, to talk and to elaborate on questions and to elaborate on concerns. Um, 
we will funnel our, our feedback from tonight um, to, to uh, Alder Woman's uh, Alder Woman Peel, and uh, she, she will provide that feedback um, um, to you all and how uh, whatever comes of next meetings is up to the discretion of, of uh, Alder Woman Sweetie. Um, she'll definitely have messaging around that. Um, but at this time, if you'd like to stick around for maybe 15 minutes and kind of uh, talk, um, I know there's a lot of thoughts going around and this would be a lot easier if we were in person, but uh, we are not. So we're going we're gonna to try it out and see what happens. Um, so, so, so Vic and Sid, uh, I do appreciate uh, all of your time tonight, but uh, we'll, we'll have all the women... Uh, Sweet Tea, uh, get back to you uh, shortly. I, I appreciate your time tonight. Okay, thank you, Gus. Um, I'll give I'll give them a minute to 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 step out, and then we can jump in into uh, a community based discussion. Um, I'm not sure how many people are left here. I don't, I'm not very good at looking at the Zoom, but uh, 53, <laughs> cool, thanks guys. <laughs> uh, not sure how this is gonna work, but if you guys wanna raise your hand and talk a little bit, we'll, we'll try to go uh, person by person and, and try to get, get thoughts. We want, I'll try to keep it to like about a minute per person, um, just so everyone has enough time. So uh, if you're in the chat, which I lost on my screen, uh, just uh, feel free to, man, this is, I can't find it now. My brain is mush. Um, we'll get started. Uh, give, me, give me one minute really quick. Um, if you'd like to, to, to share some thoughts, uh, go ahead and raise your hand in the chat and, uh, I can, I can unmute you and we can start talking or in the chat, if you want to chat there. Anybody? Oh, uh, Catherine, uh, I see your hands raised. Sorry about that. Uh, I've asked to unmute you. There you go. Go for it. Yeah, I just, um, you know, a lot of us expressed real concerns about the impact that this building would have on the neighborhood and on the community. I get the feeling that they are just brushing that off. I mean, I, I guess maybe I don't understand what it's like to be in their position developing a property, but you know, they keep saying, oh, we're doing this wonderful thing for this, you know, these horrible buildings that were blighted. Well, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't good. But, you know, that, that, that alone did not make the neighborhood unlivable. But there are real questions about what their, that property would do to this neighborhood, I think. And they're not, I don't feel that they're giving them any concern. 
That's my question. Uh, anybody else want to share their questions or concerns? I see uh, Julie Birkenmeyer. Uh, I will ask them that you go ahead. Thanks, Dan. By the way, you just did a fabulous job. Thanks. Thank My brain is blah. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Um, one of the questions that I don't have answered, I don't think, is um, whether they actually need any of our, uh, let me back up. They can do whatever they want without anything from us is my is my thought. Like they don't need us to approve it. They don't need us to do anything. They can pretty much build a building tomorrow if they want to. Um, is that incorrect? Do they need, or do we have any leverage over them doing what they want? Um, they no, are not seeking- my understanding. Correct. Uh, they uh, are not seeking any incentives. Uh, they're abiding by the form phase code, so they don't have to go through uh, any process that I'm I'm aware of. Uh, but there is the, I think Richard pointed out here in, in the chat that there's a preservation review for of demo. Uh, that's that's the only thing uh, really uh, stopping them at the moment. Um, Meg, who is uh, the CRO, we've uh, she has listened to the previous meeting, and I don't know if she was on tonight. She was planning to be in person. Um, she will have uh, a recording of this meeting, and I am very certain that she'll listen to it. Uh, we can absolutely pass that along to her right after after this meeting. Um, I think a lot of the discussion that we have now is important to, to provide that feedback. Um, as, as people in the chat are men mentioning, the, the, the demo permit was applied for, I believe, in early uh, September, and I believe there's 45 days on it or so. So it's coming up here in like late October at, 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 the, at the, probably at the latest. Um, but I think, I hope that answers your question. May I ask a super quick follow-up question for the people who know, which is, is there a public process or public input into that demo permit process or is that strictly at the administrative level? To my I knowledge, look, yeah, go for it, Sweetie. Sorry. Uh, I could look into that, uh, Julie, and ask the um, culture resources and planning uh, department uh, regarding that question. Uh, regarding your other question, uh, you know, about community input, uh, you know, in order to be good neighbors, you know, your voices need to be vocal on what um, your needs are, uh, whether this development is in this neighborhood. So uh, it is always, uh, you know, the community input can be brought to the attention of the developers and taking all of this information, it is a lot um, and synthesizing that. Uh, there's a question here from, from Tracy um, along the lines of parking. Uh, if we take steps to make our blocks residential parking only, 
Uh, how might that help our parking concerns or would those new tenants be given parking stickers at, as well? Uh, I believe they'd be able to purchase those parking stickers. Uh, no, I think they have to be on Arco or, or Oakland since they're tenants on Kings Highway. Uh, I don't think they'd be able to purchase one. It's kind of a park central question, I believe. Um, but outside of that, there's, as Sarah points out, there's really no enforcement for residential parking. Um, Megan, I see you have your hand raised. I will unmute you. Go for it. Hi, yeah, my name is Lucas Gard. I live on Gibson with Megan. And um, there are a couple of specific concerns I had. I apologize if this is redundant. One is that they have fewer parking space than beds. And um, I, I just, I, I'm concerned about the guest parking. I don't know where that's gonna happen. And I, I, well, I think I do know where it's going to happen. It's probably going to be on my block. And it, it's hard enough to park already. Um, so, so I do have that concern. Another thing is two-way traffic in those alleys uh, works fine the way it is, but there are dumpsters in those alleys. So if we increase the amount of traffic, I don't think two-way traffic is going to work. And I didn't hear a solution to that, but maybe I just missed it. That's all I have. Uh, I think they talked last time about creating another alley. Does anybody remember something like that? Oh, I'm sorry. just imagining it. Can you repeat that? I thought they talked last time, last meeting, about making another alley. Uh, I believe their proposal, their original proposal called for uh, uh, changing the alley uh, a little bit, but not adding an alley. Because okay. uh, I, I mean, I agree dumpsters. I might have wouldn't fit. If they're going to have a lot of traffic in that alley. So anyway. We can ask that. Uh, any other questions, concerns, thoughts, comments uh, that Stephen, I see you have your hand raised. Yeah, just, uh, just so I'm on uh, Steve Begany on the 4400 block of Oakland. Um, just an observation that given that there aren't necessarily variances being requested. Um, I guess they would if, if, if the Kings Highway entrance is needed, but that we don't currently have a lot of leverage here because it seems to largely meet the form-based code or completely meet it. Um, it seems like the most direct impact on residents is the Kings Highway access issue. Um, and if, you know, my suggestion to the neighbors would be to kind of, limit our feedback toward that that main issue because it affects all the residents within a few surrounding blocks that we don't have all those cars competing with hospital traffic and trying to get out of our alleys when there's when there's traffic blocking everything so like that might be the one main issue we should really throw our weight behind is trying to get that garage access onto king's highway rather than the alley but that's just my suggestion uh, Tom, I see you have your hand raised. If you want to go, Let's see if I can find you. Tom, Tom, Tom. 
Tommy there, bud. Can you, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, instead of using this generalized traffic study, why doesn't Lux go look at a building they already own in the Central West End and count those cars and get a actual for real in the Central West End neighborhood traffic number instead of this 51 and 60 something number that they're generating off of somebody else's data. It would seem that actual data on their property of a similar size and location would be more uh, prudent for this endeavor. Yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty reasonable ask. Uh, definitely one to, one to make. Uh, Michael, I, I see you have your hand raised as well. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, I, I'm very concerned about the quality of their buildings. Uh, they have a track record of cutting corners of even in their new buildings. Um, a lot of their buildings are still under construction. We don't even know what they're going to look like at the end, but the ones they have built have lots of issues that are well recorded online. You can do a general search, but there's like a post on Reddit every week about the problems their buildings have. Uh, I'm worried that if they build, we're going to end up with something that in a few years is going to be a real detriment to this neighborhood. And I'm not sure what provisions there are to make sure they build something nicer. Uh, but I think that we ought to be very aware that what we're going to get with this building, even though it's new, won't be that nice. Yeah, I know we tried asking for some elaboration on the differences between uh, some of the property that they own under aspirant or um, citywide, and we didn't get that clear of an answer, I don't think. Well, they don't want to answer it. You know, they already sold the Tribeca. That wasn't even a year old when they sold it. And that was supposed to be one of their big landmark properties and it's already been un unloaded. Uh, Mr. Mark Burnett, go for it. So yeah, my, my concern is we're dealing with a bad actor. Um, there are concerns or we've heard that they've been banned from buying at Home Depot because of bad practices. Um, we, we know what's happening um, with the lawsuits publicly. I just, I have major concerns that they can present and talk very nicely to us as a group but I just, I have a lack of trust. Yeah, uh, to, to that point, Dan, Pat points, points out here uh, that they didn't deal with the current residents in the occupied units either. They uh, mentioned that they are in the process of selling them to someone in the Grove, but uh, for the longest time didn't take care of the tenants that were in that building. Um, not to mention the, the, all of the concerns that have been brought up regarding the tenants and the, or the buildings and, and their previous properties and that they've sold 
two of their buildings so far, um, Tribeca and, and, and Steelyard. Um, just, just putting that in there as people drop that in, in the chat. I'd like to uh, add a couple comments and then there was a question in the chat, uh, I think is uh, pretty relevant to this uh, last discussion. And so the comments I wanna make are uh, in terms of Lux Living, uh, when I was actually running for election, uh, there were five individuals who approached me regarding the conditions in their apartment uh, complex and that there was an elevator that was broken. Um, they wanted me to do something about that. I told them, gave them some resources regarding that. And um, I told them I'm not an elected official at that point in time. So I just want to bring that up in terms of people have come to me regarding, uh, as I said, before I was even elected regarding um, conditions in older properties. And I remember uh, at the previous meeting, and I think even at this meeting, you know, they haven't said anything about touring their older properties. And so I think that that should be um, an opportunity to, for people to see the older properties. Uh, and that uh, in the meeting before, um, and I think even in this meeting, uh, they were saying that, you know, these newer properties, uh, they would take care of, but they're gonna get to be old properties. Right. And so um, I'm just wondering, you know, if they're not taking care of their older properties at this point in time, what's gonna happen when these become older properties? Um, I'm just citing that from your conversations and what you think. And I think that uh, Aaron Birch had a question um, and he said, uh, what is the sky in the pie, pie in the sky? Is that the question? If you okay. could have anything on this site, what would it be? Uh, what is the best use for these properties, pie in the sky, what would you dream be? And so... Park. I think that's something. Sorry, sorry, Tina. Um, and I just want to note there's there's been other people who have come up to me regarding their properties. What is the best use of these properties? Pie in the sky, what would your dream be? Is that is that a question you're you're proposing now? Is is it just I know that um, oh, Aaron, Aaron asked that question, so yeah. I just was putting it out to everybody, and I thought it was a good question. Um, you know, what, what do you think is the best use, I guess, uh, and ideas? Um, Ryan says that he thinks that he would want an even denser development. Uh, I know uh, Cammie has, has mentioned uh, affordable housing, and so has so as so so I have others. Um, Mary says a three-story condo. Um, there's in in, in KC, uh, Lux is almost proposing another development uh, along uh, the Berkeley Riverfront, in which uh, in February, I believe, 
uh, Kansas City passed an ordinance requiring any new apartment project going in over, I think, a certain number of units was required by, I'll say like June to have X number of affordable housing and X number of extreme affordable housing. Um, obviously, St. Louis doesn't have that in here right now. Um, but to, to uh, the questions and concerns around particularly affordable housing, I think that's definitely a larger uh, concern or thing that St. Louis has to take up because um, currently, uh, and obviously there's no nothing holding Lux to doing affordable housing. But um, if, again, back going back to that Kansas City ordinance, um, if they required incentives, it required uh, that they have affordable housing. So to the affordable housing situation question, I think that's that's one possible solution in the future. Um, but then again, to, to, to Ryan's point, maybe maybe it's even a, a denser denser unit where perhaps there's, I don't, I, I, I'm not a plain developer, I shouldn't do that. Uh, Catherine says green space. Um, <laughs> Uh, some people don't have too much issue with, with the proposal, but they have more issue with the track record of the developer. Um, and, and Tracy here says that she prefers this residential property to Drury's plan, um, but the traffic impact is concerning. And that traffic impact, I think, is, is a concern of a lot of people. A lot of people uh, within that section of the neighborhood see day-to-day -day the traffic on Taylor and the buildup of, of traffic because of added added new units or the future of added new units. You have um, more, more people going in and, and commuting to BJC and WashU. Um, and to Tom's point, and I think the points made by other people was that this was a national study. And, you know, if you look at a study from average from New York or Chicago or LA where public transit is more accessible and more traditional and more common. And then you try to apply it here on the number of units that require parking and number of people par driving at peak hours, you might have a difference <laughs> in, that, in that number. Um, so a more neighborhood specific study I think is appropriate. I'm gonna stop talking and let other people talk. It's not my meeting, it's yours. Um, any, anybody else wanna share, share some thoughts or, or concerns? Uh, sunlight study, yes, I can, I can pop that back up. So this is the uh, sunlight study. Uh, let me know if this should move the building out of the way, it would help with wind traffic. So that's that's the sunlight study. Um, I believe I don't know if it's on the website. Um, I know Catherine, you had 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 mentioned uh, what was the original proposal in terms of the alleyway, and I believe that was that was shared in the chat. So I'll kind of I'll bring that up uh, really quickly. Um, this was their original uh, proposal in terms of 
uh, the alleyway. So they were going to relocate it um, to accommodate the step down uh, units or the, the two story kind of units that kind of acted like a transition into the into the neighborhood. But that that's not the footprint anymore, is it? No, no, it is not. Uh, just so just so we're all clear, uh, the uh, new the proposal that they shared with us in the last meeting is is uh, this one. Okay. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's the site plan. Um, bistro in front. I believe there's a lot of the concern that was brought up was was the uh, bus stop. I don't know exactly where it's at, but it's somewhere along uh, the frontage here. And obviously, if there's construction, it's how 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 can somebody getting off the bus, you know, get off the bus and walk somewhere if there's construction? Um, how do they get to it? Uh, is is that safe? Can it be moved? Can it be uh, more uh, pleasing to accommodate um, those taking public transit? Um, and obviously there are other concerns, like if, if right here at, at B is, is the garage, uh, you know, you, you increase, you know, the ingress and egress of, 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 of pedestrian traffic and makes it a little bit unsafe. And there's a lot of things of <laughs> a lot of, quirks about this proposal that are all rightfully so with concerns. Um, it's, it's basically, it's a lot of people in cars in a pretty small space. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thompson, okay, yeah. Um, all this code. Oh man. Uh, what the hell? That's a good question. What does transit oriented development mean for Lux? Uh, that's a great question to ask. Really great question to ask. Uh, Tim has entered the room. Really record. Um, trying to think. Uh, moving the bus stop. Uh, I know uh, when we were talking about design and aesthetics, um, Tom, in an email you had you had you had shared uh, the form-based code and and making it blend and helping it blend in with. Uh, the surrounding neighborhood. Uh, when we were discussing that uh, with Lux, one of some people in the in the chat uh, had had mentioned that it doesn't. And I'm kind of paraphrasing. Uh, the architecture and design doesn't have to exactly blend with the neighborhood. It's more of a modern take on the surroundings, and that. Um, the design doesn't necessarily have to take that that brick look, but it can take brick inspiration. Uh, I guess a question here for everyone is, what 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 are your desires with uh, the design and architecture? Knowing that's probably one of the easy easy changes that they can make if if this project were to move forward. Any any opinions on that? 
uh, form-based code calls for, uh, yeah, I can, I can show that. Uh, Richard asked for the form-based code. I have that downloaded. It's a deed. It's not a form-based code. Oh, someone has a question. Uh, go for it. Entry. I on this is Andre. I live on the forty four hundred block of Gibson. Um, I I don't really have a question. Like one thing that kind of caught my eye after the first meeting was they mentioned potentially selling the units at three hundred twenty five thousand per unit which would put like the entire development around $50 million, which the part that I'm struggling with is how it's not profitable to build something, say, uh, you know, 30 or 40 units, because that would still put you at $10 million. And um, I feel like this current proposal where it's like basically what everyone builds in the central West end, which is like six floors of wood is just like uh basically a profit maximizing approach where you don't have to really spend much money to build any higher. And it's just jamming as many units as possible and as small as of a space as possible. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just don't really buy the whole, this is the only way for it to make financial sense. I think this is just their best way to make the most money. Yeah, and then sell it off for more money. Yep. Uh, anybody else have thoughts on that or the design? I'm I'm trying to pull up the form-based code. I have so many more documents on my desktop than I've got. Ah, oh, here we go. Nope. Uh, one thing Andrew brought up was, and I just have a question regarding fire trucks coming in and out. You know, this is a wood-based building. Um, we have seen, uh, I think it was on Linville, there was a new building that was wood-based and it went up in flames. So I'm just wondering yeah. safety regarding that as Andre, I think, uh, mentioned uh, regarding wood-based. So ambulances, fire trucks. I mean, if they didn't have to get a variance for that, that must be, it must meet the requirements, I'm guessing. But it's a good question. All right, form this code, here we go. All right, let's get to work. Form-based code. I believe this is a podium. Podium. How about one sec? 
All right, uh, share the screen. Um, so this is uh, a section of the form-based code. Um, these are building envelope standards based on the location in the neighborhood uh, where Lux is proposing is uh, over here on Arco and Oakland. Um, in their uh, bah, 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 proposal packet, uh, they had suggested uh, this is a podium building, uh, which is allowable. And if we skip to the podium buildings in section four, I didn't write this, so bear with me. It's a great document. Yes. Lots of good stuff. It's, it's a, a masterpiece. Not really. There's, uh, it's, it's good. Yeah. Sorry. Brain fart. Um, podium. Podium buildings. So uh, when we talk about uh, the allowable materials uh, in the, uh, on, on a podium building, uh, Percy, I see your, your, your hands raised one second. Um, there's uh, a brick, uh, concrete panels, uh, glass, metals, precast, and stone block. Um, and then it says to refer to section 4.3 about the further standards when we talk about um, the material types in relation to the uh, surrounding areas. Sorry, I don't want to bore you guys with this. Um, right. My computer's slowing down. It's having a hissy fit. Um, there we go. 4.3 is... At the top. Oh, I can't find it. Uh, uh, Percy, as, as you can, uh, as I look for this, uh, you can share your thoughts. Okay, can, can everybody hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to chime in. Yeah. Uh, listen to a lot of the... Uh, questions and, and comments about the uh, the building over here. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to say that I think those are good concerns, but I think the big thing is the traffic, of course, and the upkeep and maintenance of said building that's going to be built. Uh, I like to say that our weapon here, if this should if this project should go through, is our older person. If these people uh, come in with a shaky Jake type of, uh, of uh, demeanor or uh, when they build this building, they don't uphold their promise, uh, all the person, Sweet T, is the person that can address it and get it under control because uh, that's what we elect all the persons for. So. Uh, we have a, a, a mechanism, if you will, 
to, in some shape, form, or fashion, keep these people in check if they do not uh, uphold what they said they were going to do. Uh, that's something that we should, should think about and remember in the event of uh, some type of uh, shenanigans or something that happens that that uh, we are not happy with with uh, Lux Living or whoever the uh, new person may be if they sell it. Thank you. Uh, any uh, any other questions or uh, thoughts? Why well, doing a lousy job finding this? I think Percy, um, what you said was a good statement, and you know, as a community, you would have to come to me to. I mean, I can't uh, track everything that's happening, but if you see things, uh, you would come to myself. Um, and or some departments in the city, but I would like to be made aware of, you know, where you think things might not be going well uh, in terms of construction and staging and different issues. And I think these things need to be outlined um, in detail uh, before the construction even starts with whomever. Hello, my name's Mark. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. yeah so I'm just listening to everyone's comments and, and, and I agree with, with everything you've been saying, like once the decision to build it is underway, monitoring co uh, construction and, and, you know, whether the trash is being removed or, or what have you after the fact, but it seemed like a lot of the comments or a lot of the concerns were things that were in front of all of that. The design of the space, does it reflect the neighborhood? The, you know, the the number of units, and is that really the best path forward? All of these questions and things would need to be dealt with beforehand. My question is, at that portion or that phase or this phase that we're in now of this development, what leverage if any at all, does the community have on the design element today on the, you know, the, the number of units or how they're being facilitated today outside of form base plan, which if they have the construction pieces right, according to that, we really can only say, well, before we weren't happy with what they did over there, they would say, well, we're just not gonna do that here. And you'd have to say, okay, or is there something more that can be asked? in phase one, not after, I mean, after it's built, if there's a problem or if it's under construction, there's a problem, we can go to the alderman and there's like, you know, things to, to point at, but until then there's, they're not asking for anything. So what leverage do we have is the real question. Just do we have it? Yes, no. Um, at the end of the meeting, it sounded like Vic wanted to hear from us requests on how to change the proposal. Obviously there are limitations and things as, as, a, as a business uh, that he runs, limitations to what he can and can't do. 
uh, I think I think that willingness, at least in the upfront, is is nice. Um, I don't. It's, think it's that's socially true. responsible, but it doesn't mean that right that this person is going to do any of that. They don't because there's nothing to to say you have to build at this quality level and here are those exact standards on the size of nails. You know, there's nothing there that holds them to anything other than we've listened to the community. We made some general fabrication changes to mimic that or to follow through on that. And then at some point they're going to say, okay, we're going to go, go. So is there anything at that point that we can say, or we're just community and we don't like that building? Um, in, in the past under park central development, uh, any developer who goes through them, uh, is required to sign a, I believe the name of it is called the good neighbor agreement or the good community agreement or something to that effect. I've never seen, um, what that document holds or how that's enforced or what it says. Um, obviously that would be something to, to look at and consider. Um, I think the bigger issue is, is, is probably along the lines of like a tenant's rights bill. There's also uh, things that the city probably has to, the, the group as, as all their people have to come to agreement on and approve to really put safeguards in, in place to make sure there's no bait and switch or they follow what they said. Developers have to follow what they've uh, said they, they, would, they would do. Um, yeah, I think having that both community and kind of municipal um, oversight on any type of development like this is really great and beneficial because, well, of all of us that live here, we only understand so much of what it takes to build anything, oversee anything. You know, we have our daily lives. So it seems like, you know, a Park Central group that has that would be reviewing that and maybe even requesting like, you know, whole frontage samples of the materials that they're planning to use. At least it'd be a much more informed group that could inform all of us. Well, I'll just make a comment regarding um, Mark's uh, phase one question. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I think that everything that um, is going to be put into to a plan for a development needs, needs to be detailed and uh, have an agreement between the community and also with the city um, to make sure that they're compliant and there will be city, um, city uh, staff that can uh, assist in terms of making some of those things compliant in terms of permitting, et cetera. And then again, as I mentioned, uh, if you saw something that was not in compliance, that's something you need to bring up to myself. But at the same time, Mark, you know, you were talking about, you know, before the development was um, going to be developed. And I think that the community, you know, in terms of the aesthetics, et cetera, you know, a lot of people are talking about really wanting um, an entrance on King's Highway to mitigate parking, you know. Those are things uh, regarding uh, whoever is collaborating in a community. Those are good neighborhood agreements. Um, 
And so, you know, I would push those things that, you know, are really vital and important for the community um, so that uh, uh, things can, I mean, you know, we're gonna have change, um, but to mitigate some of, you know, the biggest issues, which is park, parking and traffic in all of Forest Park Southeast. Um, and so I would be advocating for um, the needs of the community there. Yeah, we just need to keep bringing stuff up. That's all we can do, really. Uh, Richard, I, I see you have your hand raised. Yeah, I, I was trying to stay quiet because I don't live in the neighborhood, but I thought you might all want to hear our experience over here. I live in Sneaker Devolver, and of course, they, they built three buildings uh, across Devolver and Devolver Place, Tribeca, which they sold. Chelsea now in latest Hudson, which is about wrapped up. Their construction site, I think any construction site could be a mess, but theirs were especially messy. So if this does move forward, stay on top of them. And I typically they haven't had much to demo for their new buildings, but in this case, there's what seven. There's probably lead paint in them. You guys have got to stay on top of them that they're doing that demo correctly lest you get a big lead dust crowd cloud getting all over the neighborhood. Um, at some point they had blocked the, uh, was it St. Vincent Greenway there on the Bolivar? So they extended pretty far into the public right of way. Of course, it's a wide sidewalk, a wide bike lane and then the trolley tracks. But it, it, and someone raised a stink and we got a proper covered walkway there for a while. So, but you guys, if this does move forward, stay on top of them. But yeah, I've been wondering if, if they had a proposal within our neighborhood, would I be supportive? I, I, from what I've seen, I just, I just don't think so. Track record, I, I mean, Chelsea and Hudson look pretty nice. I've been in Chelsea, it's very nice inside. How is it gonna age? I'm not sure. Um, I couldn't care less about parking and traffic, but that's just me. <laughs> Uh, we live in a city. This, this is how we build places where you don't have to drive is by putting lots of units on less land. But uh, with this developer in particular, I, man, I mean, come over to Devolver. It, it, it was much messier, but you see what they built. Uh, but what's really got my craw right now is their lawsuit against Expo across the street has stalled the project which just means further delays in the sidewalks being closed and, and the baller being constrained and uh, it's negatively impacting our quality of life over here. So anyways, come over if you want to take a look at what they're up to. Thanks, Richard. Percy, That's a little discouraging. Yeah. Percy, do you still have a, a question or? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let me, let me, let me. Uh... Oh, no worries. All right. I got that. Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, abatement, handling demo. Oh, um, abatement. 
JC, are you able to expand on that on that question about abatement? More in regards to asbestos, if any of the old ducting and stuff, are they wetting down this demolition site as they're demoing it to where dust and debris is not carried throughout the neighborhood? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> There are guidelines regarding dust and debris, um, I was told. Um, I don't know where they are in terms of wetting down uh, the construction area to minimize the dust and dirt. I know that they're doing a, I know it's a bigger project, they're doing a great job at the soccer stadium, uh, keeping the um, dust and dirt um, and that area pretty clean. Awesome. Thanks, VT. Well, Dan, maybe we should let you go so you can relax from this uh, ordeal. <laughs> well, I, I, I know it's important for people's voices to be heard, and I don't, I, I, I feel awful that we had to turn people away from the door at uh, Hot Java, uh, not in our control. We try to make it as accessible as possible. Um, I do, I do have to walk my dog at some point and I would like to go to bed, but if I, I will stay on for as long as there are questions and concerns and comments so they can be recorded and, and passed along to obviously uh, Sweet Tea, but uh, every, every, everybody else who wasn't able to attend or needs to read these minutes. Well, I, I think it's impressive that 70 people at one point were all logged on listening to this. That shows that people are definitely concerned or interested yeah seven times more than people usually show up <laughs> uh but no it's a, it's a it's a it's a project that uh impacts a lot of people so it's not surprising uh and i'd also like just to make a testament to the neighborhood association the officers and the hard work and some of the volunteers in terms of publicizing this notifying uh residents uh something uh which was really something we, me, I was discussing with them, making sure that you all knew when it got out. And so this is um, a miraculous number of people, 70 people, as you said, um, on this, uh, and who knows who, how many got turned away. So I think this is really good community engagement. Um, and I just wanna again, thank you, the Neighborhood Association using your last two meetings um, to do this. And also taking the extra time today um, at this point in time with uh, being on the call and the question. So Dan, I know this has been difficult and for the other officers too, but uh, great job. Thank yeah. You. Uh, yeah. I shared the feedback link uh, one last time in, in the chat. Uh, that, that link goes to a forum that goes directly to uh, Sweet Tea. Um, so if you have any uh, remaining questions or things that happen to bubble up while you're while you're sleeping, that's the time when they always bubble up for me when I'm trying to sleep. Um, hit that link and, and you can share any of your comments and concerns there. Uh, obviously, we'll do our best to uh, consolidate the feedback from here tonight. Uh, as always, we'll have these recordings uh, on our website for anyone to, to listen to my nasally voice and all of our important questions and concerns. Um, and then 
uh, yeah, I didn't even finish the meeting. So uh, next meeting is November 16th. We're having our elections. Uh, we had all the nominations come in tonight. Uh, Aaron, JC, Rachel, myself, and Michael all, all running for uh, positions on the board for, for next year um, to vote for board members. That'll happen in November. You get to be a dues paying member. Um, technically, we have to make a election committee tonight. So if anybody is uh, in the meeting and would like to, I don't know how it's gonna work since it's all online. Um, I, I guess verify the results of the meeting. If there's a volunteer who can be like, yeah, these, this meeting was conducted properly. Uh, if you could please volunteer somehow, that would be awesome. But uh, I don't think that's a huge sticking point. Um, anyways. Dan, do, do we need two people to volunteer to run the election next time? Isn't that what? I, I think that's it. But if we're, if we're in, if we're on Zoom, I guess it's good to be a, a poll. Oh, Ryan's volunteering to be the election committee. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, Ryan, maybe we can chat on how we can. <laughs> uh oh, is <laughs> <It's> a threat. <laughs> uh, cool, Ryan. I'll I'll chat on how we might be able to make this work. Obviously, I think it'll just be a a, a poll via Zoom, but um, we can talk about that. Um. I, I think that's all for all for tonight. Uh, again, this will all be uploaded into the interwebs for people to make fun of, of my nasally voice and to experience all of our thoughts and concerns that we had tonight. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Anyone Thank you, Dan. All right, you're welcome. Thank you, Dan. Thanks yeah, very much. Not a problem, guys. Take the Thank team. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Ah.